if you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guest and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Lori Bischoff. Welcome back to We're Talking Shift. Well, yes, it's that time of year again. And I think that we could all use a little extra juice to help us stay on track, kind of stay motivated, and most importantly, stay in control of ourselves. You know, when holiday season is upon us, it's easy to throw all sensible caution to the wind. So we're going to take a look back at some highlights from a few of my favorite podcasts in the hopes that this will give you some extra ammunition to keep you from succumbing to the pull of turning into a holiday junkie. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Too much eating garbage, too much spending, too much trying to be happy in self-sabotaging ways just like too much digging deep holes to crawl out of after the party is over. So the first highlight clip is from episode 96 entitled To Be or Not To Be Happy. My former show producer, Christy Olson, joined me on this one and we talked about happiness causes and effects, how happiness is something that you can learn and practice, the difference between being happy and living in a state of happiness, how to start managing your emotions, getting a grip on your fears, and to stop relying on others to feel good, and a bunch of other good stuff. All right, so here we go, episode 96. There's a cause and effect thing going on here, and um, the cause is when you're stuck in a habitual way of thinking. So if you have pretty well got a pattern or a habit of thinking of things, situations and experiences in a certain way that is negative or, and disempowering, um, then the effect of that is going to be that you are going to be experiencing negative emotions, right? You're going to feel sad or you're going to feel frustrated or you're, you're going to feel disheartened. So that's the distinction. Um, there is a lot of power that I think people just don't realize or haven't learned how to use within themselves just simply by shifting their thinking. As you know, I always say that is the antidote to being stuck. So when you are stuck in a state of mind that has you thinking that you are depressed or sad, you actually might be doing yourself a great disservice by not utilizing the very power within yourself to move out of that state. Yeah, and see, that's what really speaks to me so much about what you do and, and your advice is that we're really taking it upon ourselves. And once you can acknowledge that responsibility, I think that um, can kind of pave the way, right? That can be the first step down a journey to being happier and, and feeling more successful and feeling more fulfilled. I, as I get older, I'm starting to realize that those things are all up here, right? Like they're not in your bank account. They're not on your IMDb page. Like it's up here. Right. No, that's really, that's a good way to look at it. They, they really are because, you know, 
here's what I, I like to look at it this way. Happiness is, it's not an experience. Happiness is a state of being, like depression. Happiness is a state of being. Happy is a feeling, like sad. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm stressed. I'm elated. I'm overjoyed or I'm miserable. Those are all feelings, right? And feelings come and go. But a state has weight. It's your all, a state is where you live. But an experience, like a feeling, that, that you feel that, but I don't live there. So you can still live in a state of happiness all the time, but within that state, you will still, as a human being, experience the ebb and flow of different feelings. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm really happy to hear you say that because I'm not a very patient person. So I get frustrated really easily just throughout my day. You know, I try to keep a routine and I have all these things I'm doing. I'm taking my vitamins and I'm eating right and I'm doing all the things. And I, I just easily get annoyed. And I start to think, you know, if I get annoyed about something in the morning, I'm like, does this ruin my whole day? Well, I finally realize it doesn't have to. Uh, and I heard somewhere that emotions only last for like six seconds, but it's what you attach to it and, and all that that kind of causes a problem for you throughout the rest of your day. And that's just something that I'm always kind of struggling with a little bit. You know, it's like, oh, I spilled my tea this morning. Well, that does not make this a bad day. Like, it's okay. Right. Right. Yeah. All you did was spill the tea. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you can either attach a whole bunch of, you know, negative feelings to that. Like, oh my God, I'm such a slob. Or, oh my God, I've made a bigger mess for myself. I don't have time for this. This is stressful. I've ruined my carpet. Whatever. You can attach all this stuff that is going to make you feel bad about it. Because, you're, because those are thoughts that you're generating, right. that you're applying to the situation. Or you can take away all of the feeling, because there doesn't have to be any feeling involved with spilling your tea. You can just look at it as, this is what happened. I spilled the tea. What do I need to do? Clean it up. Forget about it. Move on. So it's when you sit and, and attach all the negative things to it, then you start generating the emotion. And then if you're somebody that um, has a tendency to dwell on things and you start living, you literally dwelling means you're living somewhere. That's what dwelling is. So if you're living in that state of mind, then you're generating the emotions that are associated with that. And so as long as you're going to live and dwell in that state of mind all day, then you're going to generate those kind of feelings and emotions all day. Make sense? It, that makes so much sense. I would love to be able to just kind of, you know, snap my fingers and like be like, okay, shake it off, get out of that. Um, but I'm also someone who just thinks obsessively the same thought over and over again. Oh my gosh, this happened, this happened, this happened, or this person said this, they said this, they said this, and you hear it over and over in your mind. And how do you kind of just like leapfrog over the situation so you can move on or like get past those, those thoughts in your head? I mean, we know that they're not serving us. I, I know that thinking those things doesn't help me get through my day, but I still cannot help myself. Right. So, so it takes practice, um, first of all, because if, if that's, 
sort of your patterned way of, of doing things, if that's sort of how you've always been, you're, you have a habit of doing that, of latching onto something, and then you have a hard time letting it go. <laughs> so now what's happened is you have practiced being that kind of a thinker for your whole life. So now you're really good at it. So in, right, it's like anything else. The more we practice, the better we get at it. And that not only applies to things that we, you know, skills that we want to have, but it applies to the habits that maybe aren't serving us well anymore, right? So in order to, you know, create new habits, you have to replace the old ones with better ones, with new ones, and then you have to practice them over and over. Now, one of the ways to practice changing your thinking is, first of all, you just have to become aware of what you're doing. So, like you said, well, I know I'm aware of it, but I just can't seem to, you know, get myself out of it. But I think if we back it up to the meaning that you're applying to the experience or the situation or the person, if, if you think about, yeah, but what, is, what do I want that to mean to me? Because from the meaning comes the, you know, the, the conscious thoughts that you're going to start thinking over and over. And then from those thoughts, you're going to generate the emotions. So if you go back it up to the, to the cause, Again, cause and effect. So if you back it up to the cause, which is what meaning have I applied to this? So let's take your example. Somebody said something negative, maybe. They said this and that, and I just can't stop thinking about it. That really, you know, bothers me or whatever. So you've applied, you've attached a meaning to it that is something that is uncomfortable for you, that you don't like that you don't, you don't want that. You want them to have shown up a different way, to have said something different so that you can feel okay. But that's not reality. This is what No, and it did. really bothers me that I can't make other people do and say the right things too. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> if we could just do that, everything would be fine. <laughs> Damn. So, so, so I think if you, you've got to really get yourself to be willing to attach a new meaning to the person or the situation, right? You've got to attach a new meaning to it that you can feel more neutral about. Maybe you can't get to the place of feeling good about it, but maybe you can at least level up from a place of negativity and feeling bad about it. Maybe you can just level it up to neutral. And that way, it will be easier for your mind to stop gripping it so much. Um, you know what I'm saying? So level yeah. up to a different meaning. And maybe the meaning is, um, well, you know what, they, this person doesn't really know me that well, it, you know, or maybe the meaning is, you know, I don't really have to be concerned about what that person thinks, um, because I know in my heart that that's not true or that that's inaccurate. Um, the people that know me well, know that that's not true or that's inaccurate. So really, do I have to do I have to feel like this about it? Do I want to give away my whole peace of mind right now for something that really I can't change or undo? Or would I rather just put it in a different place by applying a different meaning to it and move on? 
Yeah, and you know that I, that sounds like um, like a big undertaking, of course. And I, when we're making personal changes, it's going to be. But also in your book, kind of the message was that it's 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 simple, and you can practice happiness. And I know I can practice assigning a new meaning to things, like you just explained. But how how do we do that? How do we practice being happy until I, I assume the idea is we practice it so much that we're just all of a sudden really good at being happy, right? Well, you know, yes, yes, it takes a lot of yeah. practice. You know, that's true. It does take practice. I'm, I'm not going to say that um, it's not maybe going to take some effort and that it might be hard, you know, for some people, but it's not complicated. It is simple, but simple doesn't necessarily mean it won't be a little bit hard. It's going to, you know, it's, it's like if you've never you know, picked up a weight in your life and now you're going to go into the gym and you're going to start lifting weights. It's going to be hard and your muscles are going to be sore and you, and you, and you may be so foreign to you and uncomfortable that you might not want to go back and keep doing it. But you know that if you will go ahead and keep trying, and if you're willing to keep practicing that, you're going to, you know, get past that discomfort and you're going to start to feel better. Just like in the gym, you're going to start to feel better about yourself. You're going to start to get stronger. It's going to start to get easier. So you have to be willing to, you know, go the distance with it. And, and you know what, if you want more peace of mind, if you want to move into that state of happiness, if that's really important to you, if you prioritize that, then you'll do the work. It's that simple. If you want it badly enough, you'll do it. Like I said, if you want it badly enough, you will find a way to do it. To hear the entire show, once again, go back, check out episode 96. I think you'll find some really good stuff in there. All right, the next clip is from one of my really favorite episodes. My guest was Terry Trespicio. I always have to pause and make sure I say that name right. Trespicio. It's kind of tricky. She is delightful. And we talked about her famous TEDx talk, Stop Searching for Your Passion, which, by the way, has over 7 million views. Ever since the movie The Secret came out in 2006, millions of people have been trying to follow their bliss and find their passion, which is not a bad thing. But as you well, you might imagine having someone tell you to stop doing that is kind of a controversial subject. But Terry and I talked about, well, obviously, why you should stop searching for your passion. Uh, passion being the energy that you bring to whatever is in front of you. Why finding success is far more important than pursuing what you feel passionate about and what we all really want at the end of the day. I don't know. I think that I think that you're really going to love this show. I know that it is counter to what has been trendy for uh, a while now for the past 14, 15, 16 years. But I think that Terry is so brilliant and she's so funny. I think that you're going to really love the show. I love her take on things, uh, everything that we talked about and I think you're going to gain some really good insights when you listen to this episode. I know that I did. Uh, so anyway, listen to this clip and tell me if you agree. I would love to have you define passion. Like, how do you define it? You know, what is it and what isn't it? 
I believe passion is the energy, the sort of life force that we're all capable of, that we have all experienced and will experience again. It's that energy and force that you bring to whatever is in front of you. So the idea that, well, I can't do that because I'm not passionate about that, but I can do that. Like I worked for many years as a copywriter. There's things I want to write about and things I don't. But if I needed money, I could get real passionate about writing about dog food if I needed to. Nothing wrong with that. The passion isn't just what magically turns me on, like I'm a kind of high school uh, locker combination and I need the perfect combination to open me. That is very precious thinking. And if there's anything I really detest, it's precious thinking. I believe that we're all capable of passion because it's something that we have as humans and that we can tap it and use it as we will. It is not a major that you pick. And if you think someone else has to tell you what it is, then it wasn't yours to begin with. Mm, I like it. I like it. So. Why has the idea of just pursue your passion, follow your bliss, why has that just bugged you so much that you literally decided kind of at the last minute to jump on a TEDx stage, stage and talk about well, it? Well, actually, what you just said is very interesting. You said well, you were fired up and so you pitched the idea. No, I, oh, I wanted to speak for a living. I wanted to do a TED Talk. I did not think I was qualified or that everyone would ever give me that chance. I was wrong. The opportunity came up and a lot of people applied for it. It was literally a month before the event. And he said, do you have a, the, the organizer said, do you have a TED Talk in you? What are some of the ideas you have? And I pulled it out like a wad of singles and started paging through them. I was like, because I had thought about, um, I was already in the business of helping people refine their messaging, which is what I do for mm -hmm. a living. And mm -hmm. so I had thought about ideas I liked, ideas I didn't like, and I kept them in my back pocket. I actually pitched him a few ideas. And he liked this one the best. This is a collaboration with a global brand. TED and TEDx is a brand, and it's like being a writer and working with an editor. He collaborated with me. I didn't get on a thing and go, I'm going to give a TED Talk because I'm passionate about this. No, backwards. I had the opportunity to give the talk. He said, what do you got? I go, uh, I got a five, I got a 20, I got a, I pulled out a bunch of bills, and I said, I also hate this idea of fate because it makes me think I'm not supposed to do anything because it'll just happen because it's fated. I hate anything that feels precious and sort of weak in my mind, and so I said, how about fate and passion how the like i pitched a totally different thing he goes let's lose this part let's just focus on why do you not think it's a good idea to search your passion and i didn't know so i said i don't know but i love the idea so i chewed on it and chewed on it and he said come back tomorrow write a little bit about it and tell me what that would be i didn't have the last line of that talk which is a, a great line i will say i was very happy with it yeah. until the week of the talk i was writing my way there i was i didn't have the answers and go i have the answer so now i'm going to go tell the world my answer i was like i want to understand this and i think i believe this is what makes great talks what makes great writing the writer is figuring it out in real time Mm -hmm. and then refines it for an audience. But I was like, I think I don't like the idea because this, but I didn't know why I thought it. Mm -hmm. I just said, this bothers me. That's yeah. a good, that is an instigator for me. I like to be annoyed. I like to be irritated. That's where I come up with, with funny material, funny stories, things I would say. And so when I was like, I hate this idea. I hate mealy mouth advice. And this is one of my least favorite. Why? I don't know. Let me figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that became the talk. But it was like, tick, 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 the talks in right. 10 days. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Okay. So that's like not much pressure, but <laughs> <laughs> I love the pressure though. Well, you must because you knocked it out of the park. I mean, you nailed it. And it sounds like 
I mean, all of that stuff is so interesting. But you, you did, you like had this thing that, that you said was just annoying you and it was really bugging you. And then, <laughs> then, you, got, then you got really curious though about it. And I think that's so important is that, you know, a lot of times we might have something that, that is, you know, not sitting well with us or we're annoyed or we're irritated, but we, um, we often don't bother to stop and ask ourselves the quality questions and get curious yes. enough about it to figure out what is it about this, this thing or this person or this topic that is making you so, you know, annoyed. You might and, say, you might stop it mad. You might go, I'm mad, and then you stop talking about it. But, and as a coach, you know that the magic is in when you un, when you like reveal, dig into it and find out that's where the magic is. That's where yeah. new ideas come from. Right. So interesting. Okay. So what is the dangerous idea around following your passion? The dangerous idea is that it is a way to delay that, you know, and, and look, I was like very much delaying my joining of the adult world right after college. I didn't, I was terrified. You know, I just didn't think I would fit anywhere. I didn't think anyone would want me. And I, I hung on because no job, well, that won't be right. And then I'll be stuck and I'll be right. And there was that terrible fear. I was just riddled with anxiety. And really anything you do will be better than doing nothing. But we can be stalled like that at any point in our lives. And so if you allow yourself to get stalled, this kind of self-help idea of like, oh, well, I'll just find what I'm passionate about. Here's the thing. If everyone knew exactly what they're passionate about and just went for it, they're my TED talk. No one can't. Maybe she's wrong. Everyone's very busy following their passion. Some people are, but uh, then why are so many people going, uh, and I have to think that it's that we have so many options and so many things that we love and could love that we feel that we are about to make a mistake and pick the wrong one. Mm. And that kind of thinking, I really detest advice that sounds free. Oh, just follow your passion. Just do that. But then inside you're going, but I'm the jerk that doesn't know. And then I feel worse about myself yeah. because look, I always have loved to write. I've loved to write my whole life. Sure. I'm passionate about writing, but I came out of school. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how to apply. I don't know how to be a writer. I don't know who would, I was too afraid. It didn't help that I liked right. to do a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting too. A um, couple of things about that because one, yeah, there are a lot of people, whether it's because you're kind of new into adult world or because you went from, you went from being a young person to maybe being a classic example is you went, you know, into being, um, you know, in partnership with somebody, a marriage, perhaps family. And then that phase, that season ends. And then you mm -hmm. come into, then you, then you have, you know, the ability again to maybe put a lot of focus on something other than that. And then you have a lot of people going, well, I don't know. I've been doing that role, right? Roles for so long. I have no idea what I, what I am passionate about. They don't even know. And they're not even sure where to begin. So, so that's one thing that is, uh, that I think is a really interesting to dive into. The other thing is, um, the whole follow your passion. It's almost like though the, the part of the sentence that got forgotten was, but don't quit your day job. <laughs> Right. Yes. Do not. Your passion is not the benevolent rich uncle who owes you a living and security. The, yes, we do not quit day jobs. <laughs> we do not. And you're not failing because you didn't move to Bali and become a yoga instructor. You can absolutely. I've given the. There's a follow up talk that I give to the because the TED talk was already up there. You don't need to give it again. 
and I've given it to accountants, people who work in um, energy utility companies. It doesn't matter. A lot of people have jobs have this weird guilt as if they shouldn't have had a job or they're supposed to do mm -hmm. something else. Actually, I had the really, I meant to add this, I had a very rare opportunity to be interviewed by Seth Godin on his Facebook Live, okay? Please, blew my mind. And nice. he was wonderful. He really is a just, he's as magical as you think, right? But he said, I want to have you on because of the talk. He, because of the TED talk, and I said, okay. And he goes, I want to talk about hiding. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Uh, are you sure you're asking the right person? For and he said, no, I think the search for passion is another way to hide. He said, because mm -hmm. if you think that you need more information or you need better credentials or you're not ready or someone else is better at it or you need to like, oh, you got to figure out what my passion and purpose is. Those things get mixed up a lot. And mm -hmm. they'll say, oh, I need to figure that out. He said, it's a way of hiding. And if you continue to hide, he said, you will not be able Able to do the generous work you want to do. So if you're using, oh, I got to figure out the passion thing first as a break to pump the brakes, then oh my God, well, we don't have that much time. Right? Yeah. What are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. And there is no shame in having a job that pays you money. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can, because really it is, it's all how, how you frame it up. I think, I mean, you, I'll take myself for an example. When I was younger, I was really passionate about being independent. I wanted to move out when I was 17 years old. Oh. So, you know, I was waitressing and I was, you know, doing, I was answering phones and I was doing like three or four different jobs. I was working in a clothing store. I would go from job to job to job where any of those jobs, like my ultimate passion in life, you know, was schlepping drinks passion for me. No, but I'll tell you what was living independently and making and money. you did. Right? Yeah. And you were able to do it. And I was able That's to do it. That's the win. Exactly. So I think, yeah, the thing about um, sometimes your, your passion and, and you said like your purpose, they don't, they're not always the same thing as, as, uh, as, as just being responsible and earning a living and taking care of yourself. Plus, were you going to do that forever? No, you knew you weren't going to do that forever. You could change. You right. probably were like, okay, I'm going to do this for a while and I'll do something else. This idea, and you know, it's a really good question, Lori, when you say like, where does that come from? Is it this idea, this kind of like, is it elitist? I mean, I don't even know. I, I don't, I'm not even sure, but this idea that your whole life should be this perfectly curated and cared for experience, that everything's supposed to push you toward this one thing. I don't know if it's movies. Most people, humans, people who walk upright in the history of even before recorded history, mostly it was, will I eat and will I live? And is there any way I can reproduce and not die? That's basically what most of humankind yeah. was ever concerned. Shelter, food. And now we have the luxury of being lost in, oh, what will I do? And, oh, God, what if I do the wrong thing? And there's this whole malaise about it. Right. It kind of, it kind of drives me crazy. Yeah, but you know what? You said it, though, in we have the luxury now. Because for most people, at least living in this country, most people um, – are their, their basic survival needs are being met. Not everybody, of course, yeah. you know, not to minimize the people that, that are still needing some help. But generally speaking, your, your survival needs are being met. And then you do have the luxury of thinking about, you know, self-realization and being woke in a higher consciousness and all of that, those wonderful things that we all strive to, to become and to evolve into mm -hmm. as human beings. But I think, yeah, it seems like there's been, um, for some, 
a little bit of a the the missing piece in the middle of yeah but you still you that doesn't mean you should be um, expecting to avoid tough circumstances and avoid challenges and avoid having to go out and and roll up your sleeves and do some things that maybe you don't want to do because those are also the things that help you evolve as a human being and help you raise your consciousness yeah. and help you learn yeah, and grow and be able to be empathetic and have compassion for other people. You have, you know, we all have to experience and go through some of those things in order to relate to our fellow human beings that are maybe struggling. Yeah. I really think that there's, there is something to that mismatch where somewhere along the line we thought, you know, like people who, and I mean, this is like, such a small sector of the people in the world globally, but I have to quit this job because I'm not really passionate about it. It's like the world actually doesn't care about whether you're passionate about it. The world needs its needs, has its needs, and it wants those needs met. How you find ways to serve those needs in a way that makes you feel good. Of course, I want people to do what they feel strong at and feel great at and be able to do it. But even when you're doing something that feels tailor-made for you, there's a lot of parts of that work that aren't fun. I think for one that work is easy and people are hard mm -hmm. and that working and dealing with people on anything like, oh, I just wish I worked for myself because I wouldn't have a boss. No, no, no. You're going to have 20 bosses. You know, one boss is maybe bad enough. Now you're going to owe things to lots of people. There's never a time where you're like, well, then I'll be free to do this. And it's like, yes, we do have incredible freedom and varying levels of freedom, depending on where you grew up, who you are, what privileges mm -hmm. you've been given. We know this. But the idea that somehow, oh, this is when it wasn't uh, engaging enough for me. Well, the world is not entertainment. <laughs> like, so I don't know. And look, yeah. I've had it easy. I'm not even saying like I toiled and I'm like, look, you interviewed Neil Donald Walsh. That man was on the street living on the street. Yeah. Asking for money and barely getting by. Yeah. I have never been in that situation. And so there's, there's a range of experiences. Right, but I think right. it's wrong to to hold ourselves to some ideal that we were supposed to be doing something different, glamorous. I don't know what it is. Yeah, and I think that you know, depending on your attitude about whatever you're doing, I mean, really, I could be doing the dishes, which I do every day. It's very therapeutic because. <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter if I'm taking out the trash or doing the dishes or, you know, in the past when I was, you know, working till four in the morning, you know, serving drinks to drunks. I mean, whatever. Um, I was I was just kind of in the moment and relishing the opportunity of whatever it was I was doing. So because I always knew that if that wasn't necessarily the passion, but there was there was another purpose behind it that was. Just There's something meaningful. else. I think that you landed on it. I mean, I believe that we don't necessarily want to follow our passion. That's language that's been kind of given to us that I don't even know where it came from. It's kind of, I guess it's Joseph Campbell kind of stuff, like follow your bliss. But what we really want at the end of the day is a life that matters. We want to know that our work counts. We want to be recognized. We want to feel connected. We want to know that we created something of value and meaning and that we matter to someone else. At the end of the day, that's it. If I paid you a six-figure salary to make something every day by hand, and at the end of the day, I gave you a check and then slammed it with a hammer and ripped it up and burned it, I don't care how much money you're making. You're going to feel like, why did I do that? Every day you destroy what I make. But I'm paying you, so be quiet. 
well, we know that money isn't everything. We want to know that something we made matters. Yeah. You know how many ways there are to do that? It doesn't mean you have to quit and write screenplays. It can mean that you do lots of things, lots yeah. of ways to create things. That's why I really strongly believe, Brene Brown always said that create, there is not such a, there's no such thing as creative and non-creative people. There's people who use their creativity and people who don't. And oh, yeah. your ability to tap that part of you that does think creatively. People, oh, I don't have a creative job. There isn't a job that isn't creative because you have to use your brain to solve problems and to see your work yeah. in a new way. So interesting, right? God, she is good. I just, I just love her. And since Terry made reference to Neil Donald Walsh, I will just tell you now that he will be coming back to We're Talking Shift in a few weeks. And we're going to talk about his new book called The God Solution. So stay tuned for that. Okay, on to the next highlight. This clip is from episode 113 when I was talking about a new kind of greed. This is, well, it's probably an especially good time of year to dive back into this episode because like we said earlier, for many, all bets are off when it comes to health maintenance. Healthy routines, they just seem to like fly out the window. Many never to return or seen again. All right, so in this episode, we dive into the ultimate form of wealth. What's really, really important for you to get very greedy about, um, why you should decide now how old you wanna live to be. A lot of people never even think about it. And how to be the master of aging rather than at the mercy of it. Here's the highlight clip. Here's the thing. One of the things that I'm super greedy about this, and I've, I've talked about this before, um, not on our podcast, though, on a couple of others. And I was like, you know, we really need to dive into this here on We're Talking Shift. One of the things that I'm super, super greedy about, and it does not compromise or come at the expense of anybody else, uh, and I think it's something that everyone should be greedy about, and that is our health. I'm super greedy about having a massive abundance or come at the expense of anybody else. Uh, and I think it's something that everyone should be greedy about, and that is our health. I'm super greedy about having a massive abundance of optimal health. And I think what's great about having, having greed for that um, to, to the drive to amass a lot of optimal health is that not only does it come at nobody else's expense, no one else is compromised by that, that greed and that drive and that hunger, but it's actually the opposite. Other people benefit from it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. If, if I'm healthy, uh, if so as a mother, even though my kids are grown now, but let's just say I have young kids at home like a lot of people do. If I'm healthy, um, if I have a partner, uh, I am better equipped to do everything I need to do in that relationship and in the family and taking care of, you know, my kids and whatever else I'm doing in life. I can do all of it better at my best, right? You know, if the standards are really high, and I'm super greedy about maintaining those standards for my health, then I'm going to be showing up as the best version of myself for the people around me, for the people I care about, for my coworkers, if I have coworkers, right? 
Yeah, this makes me think of your client, Josh, um, who I had an opportunity to speak with about the work that you've done with him as a coach. And one of the things that he said that uh, stood out most to me was that, you know, he's the dad in the house. He has a great family and, and a marriage. And he said, now that dad is happy, the whole house is happy. Now that dad is healthy, the whole house is healthy. And that he has kind of, you know, set these new kind of goals for the family's health and, and wealth and, and thriving, you know, and that it really right. has just trickled on. To everyone, it really, you know, online and kind of everyone. He inspired me, even. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he is. He, Josh is great, and he's done amazing work. And that's such a great example. It has been a domino effect with the entire family. So again, if if you uh, are willing to consider being super greedy about your own health and maintaining high standards for it, you know, for for, for keeping or um, trying to up-level your health in any way you can, everybody benefits from it. You can show up at your best. You can be your strongest, most energetic, most vibrant, you know, person for the people around you. Um, and, you know, and you are not also becoming um, something like a, a burden on the system. I mean, our healthcare system is... <sighs> Do we need to go on about that? I mean, it's a disaster, and there's a lot of pressure on it, obviously more than, than usual this past year, but it, the more healthy people there are, the less pressure there is on our healthcare system as well. I have been cultivating excellent health for a long time. It's just been my passion for my whole adult life. I was always an active, an active young person, an active kid, and then I've just always maintained that. Um, you know, that, that drive. And as I've gotten older, it's ramped up for obvious reasons. Cause the last thing you want to do is start backsliding. You know, you don't want to have this like artificial peak in your head of, Oh, now I'm, you know, at this stage of my life or I'm at this age and here's how my parents and my grandparents looked. And then it was all like, it's starting to go downhill from there. Like, no, no, no. So so the passion has actually keeps just keeps ramping up to make sure that my momentum doesn't start going that you know the uh, the wrong way. We don't want to start backsliding, deteriorating, it, you know, as yeah, much as we can help it. There's that makeup commercial with the um, very mature model, and she says, "You know, they say at a certain age you just stop caring about the way you look." And she's like, "I don't know what age that is." But, you know, buy this great face cream or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I suppose it's an individual thing, but, you know, who doesn't want to look and feel their best no matter how old they are? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, that's, everybody wants that, and that's what we're going to talk about. But are they greedy enough to really put a lot of focus and effort around it? That's where, you know, wanting something, it's easy to want stuff. And everybody can want things, right? But I think, uh, like for me, two, two main driving reasons. Um, I want to feel good in my body, don't we all? But I want to feel good in it until I die. I don't want to just feel good in it, you know, for the first half and then just, you know, drag it along. Um, I, I want to feel really good in it until I die. So that's a big motivating factor right there. And then I really want to be in control of my aging process. I want to be managing that. I want to be in control of it so that I can prevent, um, you know, illness and disease if we are doing 
our utmost to manage the whole process, then um, we give ourselves a much better chance of not succumbing to illness and disease. So those are the driving motivations. And, I, you know, I invite people to think about, I mean, why do you want to be healthy? So there you have it. I encourage you to circle back to each of these episodes and listen to the entire show. I think you'll feel much better about managing yourself through the holiday season and getting into the right mindset as this year comes to a close and you begin to envision how you want to show up for the next one. Yes, envision how you want to show up for the next one. Don't let that get by you. Think about it now. All right, my friends, that is a wrap. I will be taking the rest of the month off, I think. I may change my mind. I'm not sure yet. So just in case I do, I will wish you all a fabulous holiday season now. And I look forward to talking more shift with you come January. Meanwhile, if you would like some help getting unstuck or up-leveling any aspect of your life, head on over to lauriebischoff.com to learn what private coaching with me is all about. You can contact me right through the website and I will get back to you right away and we will find out what's up for you. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already, share the show and spread this good shift around and you would be giving me a wonderful gift by leaving me a five-star rating and a review because your reviews inspire other people to listen to all of the great shift being shared here. So I will thank you in advance. Until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay greedy and stay healthy and go make some epic shift happen in your lives. You too, Gary Vee.